welcome back. Thank you for tuning in to the Reimagining Retirement Podcast with your host, Christine Jensen, at the Arvada branch of Fairway Independent Mortgage. Christine is a certified reverse mortgage planner, and we are here to change the way retirement is done and to take some of that mystery out of the reverse mortgages. Connect with us on Facebook at Reimagining Retirement, and check out our website at christinereverse.com. All right, here we go. Well, I am so excited to have with us today on Reimagining Retirement, um, a colleague that I have developed great, great respect for and consider a friend as well. Um, Beth Walker, thank you so much for being with us today. We're so delighted to have you here. Thank you for inviting me. What a great topic. <laughs> we are going to have a lot of fun with this topic. I think we're going to bend some folks' thinking a little bit um, because how we consider monetarily planning for retirement, um, we're going to challenge a little bit of, of conventional wisdom, I think, right? I hope so. So Beth, you have been with Carson Wealth as a financial planner now for how long? Well, I joined Carson four years ago, four and okay. a half now. Um, I've been in the industry 24 years, hard to believe. Um, always, you know, in that independent space, uh, trying to find a platform where we could just do what we need to do for the benefit of clients. And Carson has just been a breath of fresh air. Yay. Yay. Yeah. Um, and you have a, a handful of credentials. Tell, tell us about your professional credentials. Well, I'm a chartered retirement planning specialist. I'm a certified college planning specialist. I'm, you know, we have a lot of acronyms in our industry and yes, a lot of alphabet do. soup. I think the most important thing, the thing that I think is critical is that I am a true fiduciary meaning we are held to the standard of doing what's in be the best interest of the client. I think oftentimes, uh, and there's a big internal debate within my profession, um, because there's suitability, which means based on your age and your income and your risk profile, this would be a suitable investment or a suitable strategy to recommend. And then there's the best interest clause, which says, Knowing everything that I know about you, is this in the best interest of the client? It seems when you explain it like, yeah, well, that totally makes sense. Isn't that what everybody should be doing? But that yeah. is not what everybody has to be doing. And so we spend a lot of time and energy really focused on understanding what the client's trying to accomplish and how best to get them there. So that's, that's probably the credential that I'm most proud of. Good, good. And you should be. So congratulations to you for um, not only the, the credentialing that you've achieved, but um, as someone who has actually watched your work with clients and experienced it personally, um, I got to tell you, it's really a breath of fresh air to know that you can be working with someone who you can tell really cares about the outcomes, the goals that your client is trying to achieve. 
Um, and, and so that's just evident in the way that you do your work. So um, the reason that I wanted you in particular to come and uh, share this conversation with our listeners today, um, I want to have a really deep dive conversation on income planning in retirement. Um, you know, so many of us spend our working years um, sort of climbing and climbing and climbing the mountain of building up as many assets as we can build up in our um, in our nest egg, in our net worth, because we're saving and saving and saving for retirement. So our focus so often is on achieving a certain um, apex, right? A, a certain peak or point of I can retire once I have X amount of dollars in my retirement account, right? So um, my husband and I were actually going through that exercise and wondering at what point could we retire? And, and part of that is a mathematical decision. Like, do I have enough um, resources to be able to live the lifestyle that I want to live in retirement? But um, the process that you took us through um, really helped us see it in a very different light. So um, explain that process that you that you take folks through. Well, I, I like to think of uh, the retirement income journey like your personal Mount Everest. And if you think Excellent. about Mount Everest, um, most successful climbers hire a Sherpa. Mm-hmm. It's their job to point out the very probable pitfalls, the areas to avoid. But if you really look at the math on where most people meet their demise on Everest, it's on the descent. Really? Yes. And so I think there's a nugget of wisdom there because okay. we're very focused on accumulation. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting the way we deal with it in this country because you know, you start a job and at a very young age, one of the first things they want to do is enroll you in your 401k plan Sure. and remind you that, you know, you need to be setting aside money right now to get where you want to go. Mm -hmm. But it's a very ambiguous target. Mm -hmm. No 27 year old, no 37 year old, very few 47 year olds actually know what they're trying to accumulate because it's a complex algebraic equation. There's a sure. lot of data points that go into it. Well, what's the rate of inflation? What's the tax rate that you're likely to pay? How much social security are you going to get? Mm -hmm. Which types of money are more predictable and which ones are driven by market conditions and have the possibility of fluctuating in the future? So it is a very challenging thing. And the way that we attack accumulation is very different from the way that we should be approaching what I'll call decumulation, the distribution phase, when we're going to take money out. Mm -hmm. Sequence of return risk, for example, in investments. You know, the stock market goes up and down, and one of the best analogies from a visual perspective is a little boy with a yo-yo on an escalator going up. <laughs> okay. yes. The yo-yo is that going is up great and down, visual. but you're you know, trudging towards the top. Mm -hmm. And whether the market's up or down when you're accumulating is irrelevant. It doesn't change the outcome. When you are deciding to go down, when you're taking distributions, that sequence of return risk has a huge impact. Mm -hmm. And so 
we just have a lot of tools and a lot of techniques to understand what the probability of success is. Okay. What the trajectory you're on is, and then allow clients to make informed decisions about, well, how exciting of a ride do I want this to be? Would I like it to be boring and more guaranteed? Am I willing to take a little bit more risk? Mm -hmm. And then I think the other thing is people don't realize retirement is not like this one thing. I think we talked about the go-go years, the slow-go <laughs> years, and the no-go years. Sure. You know, when you just retire, it's like getting out of school and having summer vacation. You're energetic. <laughs> you've got time. You want to go do things. So oftentimes people spend more money in the first 10 years of retirement because they've got the time to go do things. Mm -hmm. And then since they've done all that, that's the slow go years, you know, been there, done that, got the t-shirt, you guys come visit us. Um, no go years is the real wild card. You know, mm -hmm. if we're blessed to die in our sleep, fantastic. And no, none of us know our expiration date. Mm -hmm. That would make it a whole lot easier. Right. Wouldn't um, it? But are we going to have health issues? Are we going to have memory care issues? Are we going to have added costs at the end that we need to be prepared for? Mm -hmm. What kind of hedging strategies are available? So there are a lot of things. It's almost like three different retirement plans. And we don't know how long each phase is going to last. Right, right. Now, if we could, if we knew that expiration date, if we knew, you know, if someone had given us the gift of the glimpse into the future and we were we were going to pass away on day X and we were going to begin our retirement on day Y, then we could calculate the difference from Y to X, how much money we need if we could predict every one of the variables. But it's those variables and unknowns that can really, um, really substantially impact our probability of success. Absolutely. And, and, you know, a lot of times I'm working with couples, so now we've doubled the variables. Mm -hmm. So it's just, you know, it's, so it's not an exact science, but I think that we have a lot of tools that allow us to get, it's like horseshoes and hand grenades, right? Close enough can work. Mm -hmm. It's not like we're trying to get an exact, it's, it's like I say, Hey, I'm going to go to Florida in September. Okay, well, that could be hurricane season. Mm -hmm. um, and there still may be some humidity. So I can look at the farmer's almanac and I can look at history and say, here's what the average temperature is probably going to be. Mm -hmm. Here's what you can expect. But the fact of the matter is a storm could blow in. Mm -hmm. So it's never an exact science. And we just have to be comfortable with the ambiguity and mm -hmm. feel good. It, it, I think oftentimes retirement income planning is about clarity and confidence. What can I expect? And for most circumstances, am I on track to be able to get there? There's also, so there's a couple of um, things when, um, when Dina and I walked through the process with you, a couple of the things that jumped off the page at me was um, planning for um, sort of the the base needs that we um, thought we were going to have. So you asked Dana and I to build a projected budget of what we thought our expenditures, a, a traditional monthly budget was going to be in retirement. All the basic stuff like energy bills and 
car insurance and, you know, things like that. Um, and then um, you had a tool that you were able to, to put that through um, where you factored in the rate of inflation. Correct. And you used the budget that we came up with to help us predict, okay, in, you know, 10 years from now, if the rate of inflation is X, then this is the amount of monthly income that you'll need. Right. And I think that is very surprising to people. So the number one thing you want to do is I, I say we want to keep you in your world. Mm -hmm. In other words, you like the house you live in. You like the cars you drive. You like the vacations you go on. You like the restaurants you go to and the way that you shop at the grocery store so that you can do what you want to do. Mm -hmm. And then you like those occasional splurges. Okay, well, what does that look like in today's dollars? And now let's assign an increase because as we've experienced what you know, a tank of gas cost or a house cost at the beginning of the 2000s is a lot different than it is today. That's right. And so we need to protect your purchasing power over time. That's why we take risk. That's why we don't just put money in the bank because we're not earning enough interest to maintain that purchasing power over time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a big surprise for a lot of people is they are they're thinking, well, it costs me this much money every month. I think this is doable, but they're not factoring inflation into the equation. Mm -hmm. And then let's stress test it. Well, what if we had a 5% increase in taxes? Or what if um, we had an unexpected expense? You know, the water heater and the transmission went out in the same month. I hate when that happens, right? So yes. where are we going to get the money for that in a situation where we're not going to work where we can earn a regular paycheck or earn a bonus mm -hmm. to take care of some of those surprises. Mm -hmm. And so it's really just insulating people from the predictable things that are likely to happen mm -hmm. and make sure that we've got a game plan to address them and, and to digest them in your financial situation. Absolutely. The, the second thing that really jumped off the page at me as my husband and I were going through this process with you is um, the amount of coverage, insurance coverage that we could purchase that would give us a little bit of a hedge of protection against certain unknowns. Um, Long-term care, for example. Yes. Um, you know, if, if we have some extraordinary medical expenses, things like that. So um, in, in addition to helping your clients think through the amount of income um, adjusted for inflation that they're going to need to cover the the basic needs um, and cover the thing the lifestyle that they want to live. Um, you also helped us explore some of the insurance products that are available to help us mitigate some of those um, potential pitfalls. Right, because safety nets are important, and protecting the wealth that you've created mm -hmm. is as important as creating it. Mm -hmm. I mean you know, umbrella liability policies. I hit somebody in a crosswalk, um, something bad happened. How do I deal with it? What, what protection, how have I titled my assets? Um, mm -hmm. Can they be taken away from me even in any kind of litigation? Okay. Mm -hmm. um, are the beneficiary designations correct? You want to talk about insurance. Do I have the paperwork filled out correctly? So that if I something happened to one spouse, the other spouse automatically has it. If something happens to both of them, are your wishes being done? Are our estate plan documents correct? 
long-term care is such a misunderstood area because traditionally it's been like car insurance. I buy it and it's either use it or lose it. And if I don't ever use it, those, those premiums have evaporated. Well, we've really evolved into more hybrid products and different strategies, even involving home equity Mm -hmm. that can be a great hedge um, and don't need to be overdone. Mm-hmm. But the key is that we know where we're going to go to get the money in the event of a circumstance like that. Kind and of like a shock absorber. At, yeah. And we haven't put it at risk. I think that's important too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Perfect. Um, and the way that you took us through this process, you um, you gave my husband and I some um, homework first. We had to kind of think through and imagine what we wanted our lifestyle to look like in retirement. We yes. had the conversation about the go-go and the slow-go and the no-go years, um, basic living expenses and things like that. So that really helped us kind of begin to imagine our retirement and what that was going to look like. And then um, the the one that still makes me, I'm going to be vulnerable for a minute here, but the one that still makes me a little bit nervous is the start date of the yes. retirement. Yes. So you had um, a, a model, a computer program, really, a model that helped us explore several scenarios. Yes. And I think that's so important because I think retirement... Um, People forget what an emotional change in life this is. Forget the finances for a minute. Right? Yes. But this is, and I like to ask people, what are you retiring to? Ah. I think we, we spend a lot of time talking about what we're retiring from, but that's rear view mirror thinking. Yeah. And I like to say, let's look out the windshield. I mean, the windshield's bigger than the rear view mirror for a reason. Yeah. Right. And what are we retiring to? How are we going to spend our time? Because for some people, they really struggle. It's not unusual for people to take 18 to 24 months mm-hmm. to really transition to the new normal because yeah. you're used to having a busy calendar, um, mm-hmm. obligations. I've got to get up. I've got to go do this. I've got to meet with people. They're depending on me for things. And to just flip a switch and have that all go away is oftentimes very challenging. I think one of the things that we're seeing is people would rather characterize this as chapter two. In other words, maybe I'm going to spend time working for a nonprofit or doing some volunteering. Maybe I'm going to scale back in the job I have and not work five days a week and start with three and go to two and kind of phase out. I've had a lot of clients do that Mm -hmm. and really enjoy that. Mm-hmm. And they they get to the point where they realize, okay, I'm ready to be done. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to fully transition. Mm-hmm. But it can be a real shock to the system to just flip the switch and say, boom, I'm retired. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have to figure out, okay, what am I going to do with myself all day? You know, the first six months, it's like, oh, I'll sleep in, I'll do this. But after a while unless you've got that retiring to framework, um, it can be challenging. It can yeah. Be challenging. Yeah. Oh, I love that imagery. Um, thank you. Thank you. That was good. So um, planning for the income needs in retirement also can have so many different variables to it. 
Um, just to make the math simple for a moment, if we knew that we were going to begin retirement at age 70, and if we knew that we were going to pass away at age 80, so we had a 10-year retirement that we were planning for, um, and if we knew that um, we, you know, we could calculate we're going to need $10,000 a year to supplement our income from the fixed income sources that we're going to be receiving from pension, social security, whatever, then 10 years of $10,000 means I need $100,000, right? Yeah. Well, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe but, not. But but we haven't talked about inflation. Right. So it's not that simple. But, you know, you you, you make a good point. With that very finite dollar amount, we can reverse engineer a solution. Sure. But I will say this, because retirement tends to be a long period of time. Mm -hmm. If you retire in your mid to late 60s, we have to plan for 30 to 40 years based on yes. medical technology and advancements and people's mm -hmm. lifestyle changes because people are living longer. So yes. a 30 to 40 year period of time means that you're also going to change what you value as important mm -hmm. in your day-to-day -day life. Mm -hmm. um, so travel may not become as important. Maybe um, due to eyesight issues, you can no longer drive a car. So your answer to that is Uber and Lyft. Well, we need an Uber and Lyft budget. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so it's being able to remain flexible, mm -hmm. but understanding what the underlying goal is what that foundational funding needs to be mm -hmm. so if at the end of the day we're solving for a ten thousand dollar a month kind of cash outlay mm -hmm. adjusted for inflation mm -hmm. then that's going to dictate asset allocation mm -hmm. where am i going to invest my money yes should i be using things that provide me with guaranteed income like an annuity which is what social security and a pension are. All they are public annuities, private annuities. So maybe you need an asset-backed annuity where I trade money that I had in the stock market for income that I can't outlive. Mm -hmm. um, or maybe I do something with the equity in my home. I mean, the American dream is I want to no longer have a mortgage payment. Mm -hmm. Thanks to the advances in reverse mortgages. Oh my gosh, what an awesome tool at our disposal that we're just uneducated about. Right. People, people oftentimes have, you know, as much money locked up in the equity in their home as they do in their retirement account. Mm -hmm. And so they haven't allowed themselves um, to understand how to unlock the value of what they've built and have that help them enjoy the journey along the way. So in a lot of ways, I feel like I, I get the neat job of giving people permission slips to go uh -huh. do what they want to do. <laughs> what a great Sherpa task. Yeah, absolutely. Right. <laughs> oh, you want to go over here and look at it from this point of view? Okay, we can do that. Let's just avoid this part where we fall off the face of the mountain. Yes. No yes. <laughs> but writing the permission slip. That's, that's beautiful way yes. to put it. Um, and I think, I think we're just, you know, we've talked about this before. Unfortunately, financial literacy is something that is not in our culture. Yeah. We all handle money, but we don't all know how money works. And we don't mm -hmm. take the time um, 
to really dig into all that stuff. I mean, I'm thankful because that's my profession and people come to me for that kind of expertise and guidance. And it's really fun to watch the light bulbs go off Mm -hmm. and people's expressions like, wow, I really can do this. This Mm -hmm. is great. Um, So it is really worth a little time and a little effort to understand what's on your balance sheet. Mm -hmm. How might you be able to unlock everything and optimize it and make the most of what you've worked so hard to create? Mm -hmm. There's so much that I appreciate the, about the process that you took uh, Dana and I through as we were thinking through, um, will we be ready for retirement by what age and what will retirement look like for us? And if we live this amount... And it's really that modeling that you did for us that brought so much to life. I also consider myself pretty darn fortunate that I've been exposed to the financial markets the way that I have throughout my career. And I feel like I've been empowered with so much more information than the average American. So I'm grateful for people like you that can really kind of help walk us through that. But we... um, We really got, um, even though we kind of began with a higher than average understanding, um, when you put together the pictorial models that you did, where you shifted the tanks and you said, okay, if we throw in this variable, if tax rates increase 5% or, you know, here's the impact, and we were able to see the interplay of inflation and, and things like that, that was... Um, so um, eye-opening and clarifying for us. I'm happy to hear that because I think that's the, I really think that is the art of this in terms of giving people those what-if scenarios. Let's Mm -hmm. compare and contrast. You know, if we had never met, here's the trajectory or the baseline that you're on. Mm -hmm. You came to me with something that was good, but you invited me into your life to make it better or best. Mm -hmm. So what does that look like? How do we take what you've already done? Because, you know, I'm blessed to be able to work with people that are successful and want to have a better outcome. So they're motivated. That's why they hired me. Mm -hmm. Right. And they hired me because they want to be coached into a better case scenario. So Mm -hmm. it's like, all right, let me show you the, the tweaks that we can make the, the small changes, the, the incremental things that we can do that improve the outcome or improve the probability that you're never going to have to wonder, is this workable? Is this doable? And that I agree with you. I think it's, it's understanding what you have and comparing it to what you could have Mm -hmm. and what it takes to build the bridge from where you are to where you want to be. That's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We've, we've had conversations and, and our listeners of, of this podcast know that we are huge fans of Dr. Wade Pfau and the, the um, thousands of Monte Carlo simulations that yes. he has run on, um, on exploring the probability of success of portfolios with certain um, variables added in. So um, the the object of the game, of course, is to make sure there's still money um, left by the time you reach the end of your lifespan. So will you run out of money before you run out of lifespan, I think, is the greatest fear for many retirees. Absolutely. It's important for us to know what impacts that. 
I heard another analogy not too long ago. Um, imagine a plane flying from Chicago to, let's call it San Diego. Okay. If the plane takes off from, from Chicago and is headed towards San Diego, if the plane is off by just two or three degrees in its trajectory, then it won't end up landing in San Diego. It'll end up landing somewhere completely different. That is a great analogy. And it makes me think about Apollo 13, the movie, when they're up there and they right. have two chances, you know, to get back on track, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you're right, two to three degrees uh, over 30 years, huh, wow, yeah. that has a huge, huge impact. And so it is that framework, number one, you've got to have the right framework. Mm -hmm. But number two, we have to be able to monitor and measure and course correct. Monitor, measure, and course correct. Really, really important um, yes. uh, milestones to measure. Well, I think the other thing that's so different from example, for example, compared to our parents' generations, mm -hmm. the complexity of um, financial products, financial tools mm -hmm. in compare. I mean, you know, it used to be I wanted a paid off house, money in the bank, and I got a pension. Yeah. It wasn't complicated. Yeah. And oh, by the way, people's life expectancy wasn't so long. Yeah. Well, fast forward to the adoption of the 401k, which basically eliminated in large part, most of the pension plans. Right. And now everybody is in charge of their own retirement mm -hmm. for the first time. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's unprecedented, right? Mm -hmm. And now we have crypto and real estate I can buy for $10. And I mean, the, the just the sheer number of things that we have to understand most people are not experts in property and casualty insurance. I mean, mm -hmm. do they know what their deductible should be? Do they know how much umbrella liability they should have? Do they know what the underlying language in the policy says? So a lot of people do need that personal CFO. Mm -hmm. It's their vision, their timeline, their resources, which is kind of what a CEO does, mm -hmm. you know, but they need those people on their team that go away and look into the marketplace and come back to them and say, well, here's one of the ways we can get where you want to go. Mm -hmm. Here are the trade-offs, the pros and the cons. Mm -hmm. Here's another one. Mm -hmm. And kind of let that CEO decide what feels right for them. Perfect. Right? I mean, that's that's really what people need is just Absolutely. somebody who can go through all this stuff and come back to them with something they can understand and implement. Um, in a moment, um, I'm going to give our listeners an opportunity to get to know you a little bit better personally. So we're going to ask you a couple of questions in a few moments. Um, but before I do, um, I want to do two more quick things. Um, if uh, listeners are hearing your message today and they think, oh my gosh, Beth Walker sounds like she would be the perfect CFO for me and they'd like to hire you to um, do some financial planning and financial advising work for them. Um, is it all right if we go ahead and include your contact information with the podcast here? I'd love and that. Tell Thank us, you very much. Yeah. Tell us from an audio standpoint how they can get in touch with you if they'd like to reach out and, and learn more about the work that you do. Um, my email address is bwalker, so first initial, last name, at Carson Wealth, C-A-R-S-O-N, wealth.com. 
Perfect. Um, you can also reach me at 719-522-2278. Perfect. And that would be the easiest way to get a hold of me. And I'd Wonderful. love it. Wonderful. And we'll include all of those details when we publish the podcast so that listeners can just click on a link and, and get in touch with you that way as well. Um, and then uh, the other quick message that I wanted to leave with our listeners today is um, to invite them to stay tuned um, because we're going to have you back on the podcast in the very near future to talk about another very exciting project that you've been working on, um, college planning yes, and the impact you. that college planning can have on someone's retirement. When we think of parents of adult children or becoming adult children that are entering their college years. And we're trying to juggle as parents, you know, saving for retirement and helping our kids um, enter and pay for college. So that's I, yes, a bit I, of a financial really, balancing act. I appreciate that because I'm very excited. and I'm very passionate about that topic. So I, I look forward to that. Yeah, we can't wait to have you back so that um, our guests can learn or our, our listeners can learn more. All right. So Beth, an opportunity for our guests to get to know you a little bit better. If you could have coffee with anyone at all, living or dead, who would that be? And, and what would you talk about? Coffee with anyone, living uh -huh. or dead. I would love to sit across the table from Mohandas Gandhi. Ooh. I remember when the movie Gandhi came out and I was uh -huh. just enamored with his whole, you know, his whole journey. Yeah. Um, he had such a profound impact on India um, as it related to a country at the time governed by the UK mm -hmm. um, as it worked through its independence. Mm -hmm. And I think India is going to be a leading country as mm -hmm. we get through the rest of this century. Mm -hmm. And I, I think he would be an intriguing man to visit with. Oh, no doubt. That would be a completely fascinating conversation. Wonderful. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. All right, Beth, tell us the name uh, or the title of a book on your nightstand, something that you've read recently or planning to read or in the midst of reading. I am in the midst of reading um, Borrowed from Your Grandchildren. Oh, um, the evolution of the hundred year family business. OK, it's now it's it's a little nerdy. It's really dense, um, but it's the study because it's never really been done in one place. Okay. Of family wealth, significant family wealth all across the globe. They they talk to hundreds and hundreds of ultra wealthy families who have been able to successfully transition wealth more than three generations, which uh -huh. is very rare, very uh -huh. rare. Um, in America, I think the best example um, compare and contrast is the Rockefellers versus the Vanderbilts. The Rockefellers. Mm -hmm took a very distinct approach and they still have the Rockefeller Foundation and they've been able to maintain wealth through multiple generations. The Vanderbilts, on the other hand, spent it all within three generations. Wow. And so this is so fascinating to see the, literally the family constitutions that are written and the way that they intentionally share values and how they cultivate a uh -huh. culture of stewardship 
Mm-hmm. I'm finding it really fascinating. Wow. Oh, I can't wait to read that one myself. That sounds terrific. Yep. All right. And then for our final question today, tell us a founding American that you have a crush on. I'm split. I'm yeah? split on the founding because I love the wisdom of Ben Franklin. Yes. But I love the mindset and forward thinking of Thomas Jefferson. Okay. Um, and Ben Franklin wasn't quite as attractive as Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> I have to say the crush goes to Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> so for very different reasons. Yes, yes. <laughs> They're both high on the list. Yes, they are. Well, Beth, it's been such a pleasure to have you with us today on Reimagining Retirement. I appreciate that you um, shared more about the work that you do and the wisdom that you bring to uh, folks that are contemplating retiring one day. I appreciate the imagery you shared of the the Sherpa, um, the description of um, the fiduciary role that you take and why that's important um, and measuring milestones along the way. Um, making well, thank you so much for the opportunity. I, I It's so great for your audience that you do this. And you bring in so many experts and so many different points of view. I mean, it's so valuable. What a wonderful thing. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. Amen. All right. Beth, thank you so much. Have a fantastic day. And thanks to all of our listeners.